Well, hello and welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson, and we are jumping back into our series. We've been going through the book, Unanswered Questions, by Jeff Myers. Now, last week, uh, we've been taking, we, we took a little hiatus. Uh, last week, our guest was Ray Comfort, and uh, Ray couldn't make it on the podcast this week. And so uh, I had to scrounge around for another Ray, and we did. We found a, a Ray that is acceptable for the podcast. Our own ray of sunshine, uh, Ray Jewel. Ray, welcome back. Thanks, Kevin. That's good to be here. Well, we thought last week you weren't on the podcast last week, but I thought you know two rays in one podcast—that just—that's just too much. I don't know. It would have been hard. <laughs> All right. Well, we are. We're. We've been going through the book, unanswered questions. We're going chapter by chapter, but we're not going to be doing that today. Um, ray, I invited somebody else on the podcast who believe it or not, might know more about this book than you. I assume so, yeah. <laughs> All right, we're going to welcome on the podcast uh, the author of the book we've been talking about, Jeff Myers. Jeff, welcome to our podcast. Hey, Kevin. Yeah, great to be with you. We met years ago when we were first, I think, in the Christian school, uh, uh, getting worldview training in Christian schools, and you used the Understanding the Times book, and yeah. you're one of those, you're one of the faithful schools that's training up young Good thinkers. Thank you for that. Well, we're trying. <laughs> um, it's, it's a little difficult right now, uh, but we're, we're, we're getting through it. And uh, Ray, I thought, man, we should have we should have recorded this on Wednesday uh, during the few hours in between the Supreme Court overturning the governor's safer at home order and then uh, Rock County uh, slapping it back on us. We had about three hours of freedom. Um, we should have done that then. Uh, but Jeff, you're out in Colorado. You guys are already starting to open up. Is that right? Yeah, we're we're opening up. I will say that traffic is back to normal. <laughs> ah, oh boy. Jeff, tell us a little bit about Summit Ministries. And I, I'm really curious. I know that you guys do a lot of summer programs with teens, and I'm wondering how that's going to play out this summer. Yeah, let me give our, our mission first, just so everybody who's on the podcast knows what we're up to. Summit equips and supports. Those are the two things we focus on equipping and supporting rising generations to embrace God's truth and to champion a biblical worldview. So our, our vision is to train up leaders who will go out and stand for truth and be courageous and healing in a broken world. And of course, this summer, it's, it's tricky to see what will happen. We are fighting our governor and trying to figure out whether we'll be able to have our in-person programs. And we're also dealing with fear parents vote with their dollars on things like this and they're very nervous right now so we're trying to find a way to thread that needle but in the process of it we've also developed something that we had been laying the groundwork for we just weren't pushed to press go quite so quickly until the quarantine and that is developing summit virtual which is a week-long program very fast pace. It is not, if, if I know students are really tired of the room to Zoom kind of uh, approach, and, and I get it, and everybody's doing the very best they can. But we had a chance to develop an interactive, live, fast paced program that's it's gamified actually. So there are always there are quizzes and polls and questions and ways to react constantly involved so and then there's a transition every 25 minutes or so and what we're finding is 
people can really learn that way, especially young adults who are used to being in an online environment. They can form relationships. We have small groups, discussion groups, things like that. On our, we've developed our own. We didn't want to use Zoom because it's not secure. Yeah. But we we developed our own uh, secure system. It uses high quality video, high quality production. But there are things in there like a mentor chat button. If a kid is at any point saying, I, "I'd really like to talk to to an adult mm. about something," they can hit that mentor chat button 24 hours a day. There will be somebody there ready to talk with them and help give them some guidance. So people find out more information about that. If you go to summit.org slash virtual, you can get more information. And there you'll see a 42 second long video that kind of illustrates what it's like. And it, I mean, when I say it's, it's fast paced, it is. Hmm. Uh, one advantage over the, there, nothing will ever replace Summit Ministries in-person programs. They are iconic. They're life changing. But we're finding that it, through Summit Virtual, students, for example, after they hear a pro-life lecture, they, they have a chance to record their own two-minute video of what they would say to someone who is pro-abortion. Then they send those videos in, and the top three of them win prizes, book, you know, build their library, things like that. So, so it, in a way, they actually during their time put into practice what they're learning yeah well we're, we'll have a link to that on our website so you can check that out and there's lots more on that website as well different links and different materials that you've put out again we yeah. were talking a little bit before the podcast started and you know we've been using in our school understanding the times curriculum i've uh, been doing that for over a decade now and, and we're thrilled with that and just so much more uh more books and, and more videos and things to watch on that so Hey, Kevin, one more thing, too. Um, the fastest updated thing that we have is our Summit Ministries Facebook page. So if you go there and you like it, then you'll be able to stay up to date. That is getting mm, five or six posts a day. So that's pretty fast moving as well. So you can you can stay up to the minute on All what right. we know when we know it and how, how we're yeah trying to minister. Our, we are absolutely following Hebrews 10.39. We are not of those who shrink back. Yeah. We, we believe that God has called us to press on, even though the race may be difficult to uh, Christ's high calling, and that is what we are doing. All right, well, let's get to the book, Unanswered Questions. And uh, as you know, as we're talking, uh, we've been going through this on the podcast, and, and Ray and I both love this book and enjoy going through it. So, <laughs> Kevin, you, yeah. you did the same thing. You followed oh, I, I, told, I, I can't believe that. Okay. Unquestioned answers. That's right. I had the book here, too. And I, oh, okay. So I did that out, but no one would believe I got it right the first time. <laughs> okay. Unquestioned answers. So um, it, it, it's going through 10 different classic Christian uh, cliches about the faith. And my, my first question for you is, how did you come up with just these 10? I mean, just, there's many more. Um, why these 10? Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, if you just scoured church billboards, you could come up with a whole list of them. Uh, as the guys from the Babylon Bee podcast pointed out to me, uh, we, we did an interview with them, strangest interview I've ever done. <laughs> and, uh, and then they, they wrote an article to, to kind of go along with the book. And the article was called 
92% of Christians get their theology from bumper stickers. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Of course, you know, obviously, this is a satire site. You guys know that. Maybe, I don't know if all the viewers yeah. do, but at the, yeah, then at the I very last... I think Avalon B has slightly more listeners than we do, but... <laughs> Then at the very end of the article, it said, and then there was wide agreement uh, that the very favorite verse of Christians in the Bible is don't drive faster than your guardian angel can fly. <laughs> so, but, but yeah, and Ray, I mean, you're, you're a professor, you, you saw this kind of thing. It's like people will think deeply if they have to about their job, maybe about their marriage, if they're married, maybe about citizenship issues but they don't tend to think very deeply about their faith. Yeah. And Kevin, I'm sure you get, you get comments like this all of the time in your class, right? Like why, why is Bible class so hard? Bible class is supposed to be, you know, coloring and eating cookies and drinking Kool-Aid and, and um, circling things in crayon. Right. It's, it's right. just, it, why, would, why do we need to think hard about our faith? So anyway, you asked how we came up with this list of 10. We just started asking our Summit Ministries faculty, and I'm blessed to work with a who's who of Christian apologists and theologians and philosophers. And they all had their different terms for it, but they came up with a bunch, and we found that 15 of them came up over and over again. Mm -hmm. And we just decided that we've got to be, it's got to be 10, got to get it down to 10, have a manageable size book. And then uh, we just, we just picked them out. It, my, my fear guys was that I would end up writing a book that was just a rant against yeah. Yeah. less than thoughtful Christianity. But it turned out what what we're what we ended up with, and I, I write it, but I have a team of people who help me. They edit, 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 they say this is not gonna work, that doesn't make sense, you know, we've got to have a story here, things like that. It's crafted through time. Lots and lots of people help shape it. And as we went through it, we realized this is a sneaky catechism because it helps people really develop their theology of the Bible, of God, of church, of worldview, of life purpose, of sin. So many different things that people aren't quite sure they understand. And, and you could understand that, right? If you go to a church and assuming you do go, say, once a month, which is what most people do, they, they hear a sermon, and the sermon is usually on three or four verses if they're in a good expository Bible church. They don't ever get a sense of the big picture. Yeah. So that was, that's what was fun about writing this book is realizing that, wow, as we are going after the, some of these cliches, it's helping people get the bigger picture of what God's work is all about. So in the, in the book, in the... Um... In the preface, in the, the beginning, you talk about the idea of simplicity. Uh, sim, not, excuse me. <laughs> I need to edit all this stuff out. You have a hard time pronouncing it too. Yeah, I do. And Ray, I, I practiced it over and over again. Are you ready? Okay. Simplicism. Simplicism. I don't think I've said it right any time. I've said it. Uh, <laughs> so talk about bumper sticker theology. Uh, I'm not going to say it again, but you refer to it as uh, simplicism. No, no, I, I didn't. Okay, but you know what it is. Uh, so uh, talk to us a little bit more about that because you don't mean just simple. It's not just simplicity, um, but it's 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 a whole different ball game here. Simplicity is widely thought of as a virtue, 
people watch television shows. Marie Kondo shows up at the door. Yeah. They, they throw away all the stuff that they don't need. And it's, it's virtuous. They feel better. They have clear, clear thinking and so forth. But unquestioned answers are different. Simplicism is when you somehow come to believe that something is only true if it can be simply stated as, as in a bumper sticker. And unquestioned answers, you know, people have unanswered questions, right? But we also have unquestioned answers. That's the theme of the book. Unquestioned answers are the way that simplicism banishes doubt. So the trite slogans, cliches, the things that we develop in order to avoid deep thinking and also to shield our opinions from outside criticism. Mm. On the surface, it may appear that it is confidence Below the surface, and this was one of the sort of the warnings of the book, is that when we don't think deeply enough about our faith, we end up being confused and isolated from the very people who really need the truth of the gospel. Yeah, I think of even in my class, we talk about difficult issues like, for example, homosexuality, and um, a lot of a lot of questions about that. A lot of, but the simple answer, you know, God in the beginning, God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, right? And so it's meant to shut down the question. And when you do that, you shut down any thought and you really convince nobody um, of, of what you what were actually contending for. Yeah. Um, the other problem with it is um, it becomes a tool to control the masses. Hmm. So if you get pastors who are, they've got their pet phrases and if you don't toe the line with those pet phrases, then you're in trouble. And that's, that's a huge, always been a huge concern for me. I mean, um, you know, Jeff, you, you, you'll find this out if you listen to us at all, which I wonder if you do, but you probably don't have time for that. But uh, I, I'm a real uh, critic of the televangelist. I think they use these kinds of all the time to lead people astray. Yeah, I, I think you're, you know, that we've got to be super careful. We should be Bereans, right? Yeah. This is, the, they were commended in, in the book of Acts for being those mm -hmm. who thoughtfully even challenged the Apostle Paul. And if you look at scripture, you see that unlike other religious books that ask you to take through blind faith, whatever they say, um, the Bible says, examine it, carefully defend it, uh, look at look at the bad ideas of the world in relationship to it. So there's an examination process that Christians are called to. We don't have to have blind faith. We have God's special revelation of himself through scripture. So it's a... It... Talk a little bit more about that, because you just mentioned something really, I, I think, is important. Um, we are taught... We, are live, we, we live by faith, not merely by sight. So um, how, do we, how do we still have a deep intellectual knowledge of Scripture that, that's asking questions, that's probing deeper, but still uh, maintaining that level of faith where, where I'm not going to understand all of this completely, you know, this side of heaven? There's no question that in the Bible— you, God does not give people the answers that they would like to have. I'm, I'm, in my 
annual Bible reading plan. I'm in the book of Job right now. Hmm. And that's a, that's a tough one because Job is a man who's trying to be righteous. All these things happen to him. He does not understand why. And his, his plea to God is God. I, I, I know you're in charge. I know your purposes are good. They must be. Uh, but if it's not too much trouble, I'd like to know what they are. I'd like to know what you're up to. I'd really like to have just a few days off that I can live my life without trouble. And, and God never answers that question. Hmm. So I, I do believe there will be, we, we, everybody watching or listening, we will go to heaven with our most pressing questions unanswered. And I do think that that is true. Hmm. But with the way people use the term faith is often incorrect. This is this happened a couple of years ago. I was speaking at a church, and in order to demonstrate a false view of faith, I put a quotation by Mark Twain up on the screen. He defined faith as believing what you know ain't so. Hmm. Before I had a chance to refute it, a lady in the congregation shouted out, Amen! <laughs> And of course, everybody else was giggling because they loved seeing the poor speaker up there trying to figure out how to get out of this. But it, it's that view of faith is the one held by Richard Dawkins, Stephen Pinker, all of the other critics of Christianity all think that that's what faith is. That faith is believing what you know isn't true. The biblical understanding of faith is believing what you have good reason to believe is true. It is believing, it's not believing in belief. It's not the power of your belief. It is the power of the one you're believing in. So once, once I, I started to realize that and think that way, I, I thought, well, there are things I can know to be true about God. For example, his nature and creation. I don't have answers to all of the questions that I'd like to have answers to, but I do know something to be true about God's nature and character as he reveals it in nature and in scripture that, that enables me to take my questions and doubts and put them into the larger context of true faith. And uh, Ray is a theology professor. I hope that I'm right on this because uh, I'll be embarrassed if I'm not, but I kind of came at this really from a non-theological viewpoint. I came up through the philosophy world. And if you read ancient philosophy, you find that the word faith that's used in the New Testament to trans that's trend in the New Testament, Greek and Koinonia, uh, Koine Greek, you have, you have the word pistis and that's the word that Aristotle uses to describe the unstated premise of an argument. Now, I don't know how much we want to get into this, but you know, that is, that is really an important thing right now, as we're going through the coronavirus, what people are talking about, should we, you know, how many people are going to die from suicide or overdose because they're discouraged because the economy is closed. How many people are going to die from the disease and all of those kinds of things. The unstated premise in all of those discussions that's never brought out is that human life is valuable, yeah. right? That is the unstated premise. It's the pistis. It's the it's faith. Uh, 
you know, if, if somebody came out with an article and said, let them all die, you know, let them all die, just expose everybody to the virus and whoever lives, lives, whoever dies, dies. That person would be instantly shunned from the public dialogue because we all have this unstated premise. Well, where did we get that unstated premise? And I'm not saying everybody's consistent, you know, the New York governor, Andrew Cuomo just goes on and on about how precious every life is, but this is the same guy who signed a bill just a year and a half ago that permits abortion up until the moment of birth. Hmm. Clearly he doesn't believe, you know, clearly he doesn't think that those who are on the other side of the birth canal, their lives are precious. Right. So I'm not saying that everybody's consistent, but the, but the idea that people state that life is valuable, that's an example of how everybody lives by faith. Nobody sets out to prove that that is true. They assume that it is true. And that's kind of my understanding as approaching the Bible as a philosopher of how faith works in scripture. Now, just for the record, Ray is a theology professor, but he is Armenian, so he's not very good at it. Um, but Ray, uh, we're, we're running out of time, but Ray, I, I've kind of been dominating here today, and I haven't really given you much of a chance to jump in. So before we go, Ray, I want to give you a chance to jump in and ask any questions that, that you'd like. I found it interesting, Jeff, that your uh, discussion, to me, the, worth the price of the book, not that I had to pay anything for it, uh, thank you for the gift, but uh, was the chapter on prayer, simply because that's where you brought up uh, the concept of hermeneutics. And you know, Kevin and I have talked about this quite a bit on, on this and just back and forth with each other. How do you interpret the Bible? How do you, and, you know, I mean, if you're using these catchphrases to interpret scripture, then that, that's uh, sort of scary um, because they're, they're not, you know, pretty much most of them are not biblically sound. And, you know, just bringing in the, the genres and the culture and all that stuff, it's fascinating to me. And I, so I found that to be a very... The whole book was helpful, but especially that chapter, uh, chapter four, I think it is. Um, I guess the question that <laughs> wasn't a question so much, was it? Um, I just found it interesting that you did that with prayer. Because um, people tend to see prayer as something... You just just pray. There's no theological underpinnings for it at all for a lot of people. Uh, some people think if you think something, the same thing as a prayer. I don't know where you're on that. Yeah, uh, Ray, thank you. The, st when you ask people, do you pray, virtually everybody says they do. But a lot of people, when they think of prayer, they think of sort of like a talisman or a good luck charm. Right. There, it's an incantation. Uh, other people think of it as a making a bargain with God. But the biblical idea of prayer is that, that we pray that we may align ourselves with God's will so that we see what he sees we are able to view the world as he views it and we are able to act as god himself would act if he were here with us because he is here with us so when jesus taught us to pray 
um, that his kingdom would come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, it's not so much that we line up against God to try to confront him and make a deal with him or make him do what he promises. It's that we turn around and look back at the world from his perspective and, and ask him to calibrate it so that we can do what he wants us to do. And then when we have that perspective, Jesus says very clearly that ask for what you need and he will give it to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We're running low on time. And, and Jeff, oh, I no. respectful of your time. No, Kevin, never. Yeah, I, I got to rein you in, Ray, as, as we typically do. Um, but Jeff, I want to ask one last question. Um, and uh, I'm going to ask you to kind of help out our podcast a little bit. Uh, next week, we'll be covering chapter five of, of the book, uh, Love the Sinner, Hate the Sin. You want to give us a, a quick preview of that? Well, I can tell you, you're gonna, it's going to make you really mad. I, I had to grit my teeth all the way through this chapter as I wrote. And I, I finally had to realize that people usually say, love the, I hate the sin, but I love the sinner. They usually say that in reference to issues related to same-sex attraction. That's all. That's ninety percent of the time. That is the context, and what we in essence say when we say that is, "I I love you, but I hate what you do." And but if a person wraps his or her identity around actions, then to say, "I love you, but I hate what you do," is sort of like saying. I really like you, but it freaks me out that you have blue eyes. I think that's terrible. And it, it, you know, it scares me, right? The person, your friend who with blue eyes would say, well, what am I supposed to do? That's who I am. See, when sin is fully matured in a culture and in a person's life, it be the person identifies with that. It becomes their identity. They see it in the same way that we would see hair color or uh, eye color or family background or anything else so it's we're much better off if we approach it from a biblical perspective of (laughs) where we 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 understand that when i say to a person well i love you but i hate your sin i'm I'm in essence saying to them you are uh, your sin is worse for you than mine is for me and I don't think that's a biblical viewpoint. And, and again, I'm not trying to come at this from any denominational standpoint, but it seems to me we're a whole lot better off if we see that every one of us has pitched headlong over a cliff and we're tumbling to our death, hmm. only to find ourselves grasped by the strong hand of the only one who could have ever saved us. Well, thank you, Jeff, so much for, for taking the time and, and being with I know we've kind of went a little over time. And so thank you. Uh, Come back on the podcast whenever. We'd love to have you back if you're promoting another book or just want to chat about worldviews or promote Summit. We'd love to have you. All right. Thanks, guys. Send as many students as you can to Summit Virtual this summer. Let's not put a pause on the spiritual and intellectual development of our kids, okay? Amen. We'll do that. All right. So, Ray, thanks for joining us again. And, uh, again, the book is Unquestioned Answers. I've said it right. Unquestioned Answers. And so join us next week. We'll be going through Chapter 5. Ray and I will be. And uh, don't forget to check out our website, www.basicbiblepodcast.org. We'll have all the links on there we've talked about here today. So until next week, have a great rest of your week. 